Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with a couple of my colleagues. I got Matthew Dawkins. Hello. And Danielle Lausanne. Hello. Hello. You're very cheery today, Danielle. I am. That's good. It's good to be cheery. So today we want to talk about something that we haven't talked about in a while, uh, which is what we've been playing recently. Uh, this could include tabletop, this could be board games, this could be video games. Um, I know that a lot of us like both relax by play video games, but also it's hard to turn off your game design brain when you're playing a video game. <laughs> you're constantly mm. like, wait, I could steal that mechanic or, oh, that's cool. Or this would work way better if it was like this. Um, and that's especially true if you've been like me and uh, countless other people across the globe have been playing Baldur's Gate 3 semi-religiously <laughs> since it came out. I have taken a break. I'm on a break right now because I realized it was, too, it was too much, but I'm probably going to start again very soon. So A sabbatical, as it were. Yes, yes, mm. I am. I have joined the Sabbat for uh, two weeks. <laughs> well, yeah, as we know, that they accept temps in that sect. It's, a, it's an easy sect to just join and drop out of uh, without any issue. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah. Well, I, I've been playing things too. I've been playing and running as as I always am. Uh, I don't know though about uh, turning off my game design brain. I think it's something I've always struggled with. Uh, I am not entirely sure why my brain chemistry is the way it is, but even if I'm trying to watch a TV show just to relax, for instance, mm -hmm. there's always a part of my mind that's thinking, how gameable is this? Can I turn this concept into a role-playing game? Can I use it in a game? And it's probably a bit unhealthy. I yeah. should find better ways of disengaging, but I this has been years now where I've yeah. had this problem doctor yeah. uh, i i don't have that issue <laughs> but i do spend a fair amount of time hanging out with rose bailey who definitely has that issue mm. to the point where sometimes i'm just like can we not talk about work for like an hour <laughs> like yeah. can we just talk about i don't know what tv shows you've been watching <laughs> like what you've been doing with your life because <laughs> i i am not as much of a design head as as either of you are or really almost anybody at the company is I'm really more on like the rich Mike side of things where I'm like, games are cool and I like making them pretty and making them read well, but I don't like think hardcore about the mechanics of them all the time, <laughs> right? There's there's different strengths in this industry. Oh, and so yeah. So like if I'm playing I mean, obviously if I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3, I'm thinking about game design because it's fucking D D. Like there's there's gonna be game design thought because I'm rolling a D20. Um, but 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 if I'm like I, I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time recently, which I have thoughts about that I will, may, might get to later, and if not, I'll talk about them in the Discord. Uh, I I angry thoughts, but <laughs> uh, but I don't think about it as much during that because like it's an action game, so I'm like running, jumping, shooting arrows, doing whatever, and I already kind of know how to put that into game mechanics, so I don't have to really think about it. Because yeah. I've played many games where you can run, jump, and shoot arrows. That's just kind of a, a, a thing you can do in most fantasy gaming and most mm -hmm. non-fantasy gaming. So, yeah. Well, as for me, I mean, in terms of video games, most of what I've been playing lately is uh, sort of grand strategy style games. I've been doing uh, lots of Crusader Kings 3 for whatever reason, going back to that. I can pick um, that back up. I enjoy CK3. 
It's it's a time sink. Uh, it can get repetitive, but at the same time, it has the civilization nature of just one click. Except, of course, it's yep. permanently active. Uh, the just one click is one, Just one more turn. <laughs> That's what we call games like that in my household. Yes. We literally, oh, are you playing just one more turn? <laughs> yeah, they, in, in CK3, I would justify it as, oh, I'll just get to the end of this particular character's life. Yeah, uh, and which is no good if they if I've just taken on an eighteen year old. Four hours later, they might be terminal. Um, <laughs> well, that's, but, that's, that's that's when you send them off to get them killed. Yes, yes, or, or commit some kind of ritual act. Uh, I've, uh, I mean, on the subject of how it ties into gaming, into our gaming, I I play games like CK three. And I find the massive inspirations for, well, in a way, courtly politics. I'm running Vampire the Requiem right now. Uh, I And that's in a modern uh, era. Uh, I'm, running cool. I'm running Pendragon, uh, which I'll get onto again because I'm taking inspiration from uh, CK3, but not just CK3, one of our games at Onyx Path. And... I don't know. I think the the idea of being able to access history, mm -hmm. I guess families of historic significance, which is dreadfully damning to anyone who isn't a family of historic significance. <laughs> it, it 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 sort of furthers the great man of history theory, but that is kind of the centerpiece of most fiction and therefore most games the idea that your characters are important and therefore they can change the world around them. Mm. Uh, and CK3 and other games like it often further that school of thought as well, because it would be dreadfully boring if you just had to sit back and watch the world change. Um, though some people do, you know, some people kind of put these games on simulation mode and they'll just sit back, eat and watch the world turn around. Yeah, which I, I don't quite understand that. I like to have agency when I'm playing a game. <laughs> mm -hmm. What about you, Danielle? What have you been playing lately in the video game world? In the video game world, man, um, I there's so many things that I've been cycling through. Uh, let's start with I did play Baldur's Gate three. Um, I beat it with Shadow Heart and set it aside for a minute so that I could kind of cleanse my brain of it before I picked it back up again because I was very like it was the only thing I was doing: eating, yeah. sleeping, breathing. Baldur's yeah, no, Gate three. I've, I've got I've got six hundred plus hours in it. Yeah, so I was like, ah, oh, I need a brain cleanse. I'm, I'll come back to it later. So I started playing Dredge, which is a fishing simulator that is also like a Lovecraftian Cthulhu-esque Eldritch Horror. Um, like you're fishing for fish for your small little fishing community. And you're the only fisherman. And they buy their, your fish from you, but sometimes the fish you pull up are, like, fucking weird. Uh, there's also some guy on an island who wants you to go look for weird-ass artifacts uh, and then blesses you with some magical spell every time you bring him a new artifact. And every time you ask him, like, what the fuck did you just do to me? He's like, no, you don't want to know. I just might have to get this. This looks very up my alley. Because, like, I like games that you can play kind of casually, but that still yep. clearly have some, like, deep story happening. Yes, um, yes. Th those are, like, 
there are quite a few games oh. that I, I have played over, over the years, just not super recently, um, that like I can listen to a podcast while I'm playing and like mm-hmm. maybe occasionally pause it to read something. But it's just yeah. like a comfy clicking game, things yeah. like Dwarf Romantic, right? Yes, Which is a game is. that I love. Yeah, but I like, love that too. But like I, I don't have to engage with it like mm-hmm. you do with like A Horizon Zero Dawn or Baldur's Gate 3 or whatever, where you actually right. have to like read and listen and, and pay attention to the world, right? Yep. Nope. You just, uh, I mean, there's, the, the music is really cool, but like it's, uh, it's, there's no text speech. There's no, you know, every now and then you're reading a thing, but mostly you're just wandering around fishing um, and running for creepy crawlies in the middle of the night that are trying to sink your ship. Um, and so I, pl- I played the heck out of that. And then uh, I never, I haven't finished it yet. I need to go back and finish it. But I picked up playing Valheim again with a friend of mine. And we were playing that religiously for a couple of weeks. And then this weekend, uh, a new survival builder game came out called Enshrouded. Oh, I had seen so many people on my Steam list pop up playing that over the past weekend. Yeah, it is. Um, so it's got uh, some decent quality of life things that I appreciate. Um that other survivor builders either decide that this is really important or neglect thinking about. So like you don't actually need to eat food to survive. Food gives you a buff. If you forget to take your food, you're not going to just die. Um, It just makes you better at the things you're doing. There's a cool like skill tree that lets you specialize in different things. Uh, so you get skill points and you can spend them on like a skill tree and you can reset your points and respec into other things if you want. Um, there it's, you know, it's all about crafting and building and there's, but there's quest lines, which uh, really like is allowed Weston to play with me. He doesn't normally like survival builders because there's he doesn't know what to do in them. But because there's like, oh, get this thing for me and bring it back um, so that you can learn the next level of crafting. He's like, aha, this is telling me literally what I need to do next. I'm like, yes, don't, you know, go explore. Don't die. Well, if you do, it's fine, but you'll have to go <laughs> retrieve all your stuff. Uh, yeah, I haven't played those kind of like multiplayer crafty games very much mostly because i just don't really have people to play them with uh, mm. all that often um because my my boyfriend is not interested in that kind of game uh it's it, i i would like to get into them more because like i was a big like minecraft and modded minecraft player for a long oh, time yeah um, i mean it, if yeah. you're interested in trying out enshrouded it is i mean none of these games are ever very expensive um also enshrouded still in early access so they'll be adding stuff to it it is still in early access there's definitely some bugs um there's definitely some hitches sometimes the monsters clip into the ground and can still attack you but you can't attack them and you just kind of have to leave them there and leave um (laughs) but uh yeah i mean it's still early access it's not very expensive it's like in the 25 dollar range and i mean if you want to play i'm happy to have to have you come join us because the more people who play those together the more fun it is in my opinion uh and i love them because like i play with a good friend of mine and she really loves building buildings and building really pretty buildings and i really love 
gathering resources. And so she'll be like, oh, I'm going to make our our base. And I'm like, cool, what what resources do you need? And I will go get them. And That's so exactly I will just... the dynamic that me and my friend are used to play Minecraft with all the time, does. Yeah. Like, I will just cart like... in yeah. all the resources and she will build the pretty buildings. And then I'd be like, look at how cool our base is that my, my wifey built. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... Uh, so for me in Minecraft, I was always the one who was like, I'm going to make a farm and I'm going to build our buildings and it's going to be super pretty and I'm going to make all the food because I like making food and I like the farming. Mm-hmm. And he would be over inside like engineering something to get diamonds from the surface somehow. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, OK, you engineer. You just keep engineering. That's not what I want to right. do with this game. Uh, right. You you enjoy sitting in your gray pit that you've dug out, and I'm going to be over here building a greenhouse out of glass squares. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, that, that used to be the case. I used to play Eve online back when it was new, mm, and yep. um, I joined. A, well, I don't think they were called guilds. One of the factions. Yeah. And uh, played it with a few friends, uh, my workmates, and yeah, typically we would sort of set up around a, a moon or planet or something and delegate roles. And this uh, dickhead speaking right now was the one responsible for mining duty, which was mm. tedious uh, mm. in the extreme while they were going off being pirates. I can't help but think uh, <laughs> I drew the short straw there. Uh, it was fun for a while just because we were chatting online while looking. Well, right. again, that was still a relatively, it felt like a new thing. Uh, you know, sort of staring at the stars on your monitor while doing this task, just telling jokes, occasionally interacting with uh, people you didn't know who were passing by your part of the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, but the job itself, it was almost, it was secondary to the experience of socializing. Yeah, yeah, it was basically a chat room with grinding elements. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's why back in my in my World of Warcraft heyday, uh, because all the the high-end raiders were also responsible for certain resources, right? Mm-hmm. Like like healers, which I was one, were responsible for potion making. So I had to spend a fair amount of time every week, you know, riding around on my flying mount gathering herbs. Yep. But that's that's what the chat was for. It was so that yeah. like you wouldn't want to die while you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Um or I would just watch TV like in the background. Uh cuz yeah, like I would like, yes, the, the raiding was what I was there for, but part of being in a, a big raid guild was contributing to your your stores so that everybody had the correct potions and elixirs and foods and what have you. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you had to have certain buffs for certain fights, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I am glad I'm not doing that anymore in that that felt like a job at, at some point. But also, I yes. do kind of miss it sometimes, which is why something that's more casual, like what you're talking about, Dee. Yeah, crowded. It sounds super up my alley. Where it's like it's it's a fun game. You're doing stuff. There's there's fights to be had. There's there's things to do. But I'm not like on a rigorous schedule that I have to be there for four hours a night, three nights a week, <laughs> and then spend <laughs> lots of my free time working on stuff to help out. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have I've lived that life as well. And you're right. Like when I stopped doing it, I was like, oh, what a relief! I've got my weekends back. But also, I kind of miss the like i really enjoy the i i don't know what it is the the repetitive like 
walk up to a to a thing, press a button to pick it up. The the mm. instant like dopamine hit of like, yeah. haha, you've successfully gathered this whatever it was. I think it's I have you a th- probably both have ADHD. Mm. Yeah, uh, and and then I run <laughs> off and I do another one, and it's just like this constant feedback loop of amazingness, uh, and I love it. So I Where's, I, I, I love those thing. games. It's the same kind of formula as Duolingo, you know, or, or mm-hmm. any sort of walking app that you've got on your phone that congratulates you for hitting a thousand steps or yes. what have you. It's um, and at some point, anything like that gets tiring. Yeah, right. you you get yeah. you end up feeling like the uh, green owl is harassing you, and so you uh, don't just uh, <laughs> don't. I mean, just, what is uh, worth the green owl does harass you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't just uninstall it. You deactivate your account removal trace of Duolingo so it can't find you again. You tell them you're dead because it's the yes. only way the green owl will stop. And even then, he will haunt you in your dreams. Right. What about board games? Has anyone here been playing any board oh, games recently yeah. or card games? Okay, hold on. I haven't finished my video games because I'm oh, oh. A, a, a goblin. Uh, also... I mean, same. I've only mentioned like three. <laughs> I've had oh, way more we... than that. We also picked up uh, the new Prince of Persia. Um, I think it's Circle of Crowns or something. Prince I've heard that's really good. Lost Crown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Lost Crown. So it is extremely good. If you like Prince of Persia games, um, you'll probably like it. If it is not, so a lot of the other Prince of Persia games have been. Um, 3D since mm-hmm. they moved from the computer to the console. Mm-hmm. But this has gone back to being a 2D side scroller. Um, yes, that's why it, it appeals to me because I'm a big it, fan of Metroidvanias. Yeah, it's so it's a Metroidvania. It is um but it's it's still got weird timey wimey stuff. So if you like the Prince of Persia weird timey wimey stuff, never fear, it's still there. Um but it is probably one of the prettiest of the Prince of Persia's only topped by the beautiful cell shaded one from uh, the 20 aughts. Uh, gosh, why can't I think of the name of that one? It's, is it the sands of time? I think it's the sands, sands of, of time. Uh, I do remember sands of time, but tell me, is Jake Gyllenhaal in it as an Iranian prince? Uh, I don't think so. Because he, no. was, he was in the movie of Prince yeah. of Persia. <laughs> I don't. I don't. The, there, the widely is... panned Prince of Persia movie. Yes. No. Uh, no. Not I'm, Scarlett I'm... Johansson then either. No. Uh-uh. Uh. In fact, all of the characters are nicely brown shaded. Also, mm. I I heard on a on a podcast that I listened to, uh, one of the hosts said that. It's 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 got a full voiced Farsi or like you you can play it in Farsi if you want and it's the first oh. Persian game that you can actually play in Farsi which oh, of course nice. is Persian like that's, yeah, that's the yes. language yeah. uh, so that's very cool because I like it when games that have that that are like set in a certain place have an option to play in that language right yeah, yeah that's really cool I have not been playing this recently but my boyfriend has been playing Assassin's Creed Mirage. And that has really... So that's the story of Basim, who's a character in Valhalla. Mm, It's like how he became an assassin. But they they went back to a lot of previous, uh, like, Assassin's Creed formulas, where when you interact with certain things in the world, you can actually, like, look at an artifact and read about, like, historical facts and how things were in this time. And that's very cool, too, because I do like it, once again, when a game is set in a historical era, I like when it actually teaches you something. (laughs) 
Right. Um, because that's that's fun for me. Like I I am very excited when I'm playing something that's that's set in history and I get to go like, oh shit, okay. Like either cool, I knew about this, or huh, I didn't know about this at all. Now I have learned something today while I was playing my cool stabby game, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I will most certainly be picking it up. And yeah. uh, as I say, I, I'm a I am a huge fan. I think I've I in the last few years I've played far more 2D esque side scrollers like Hollow Knight, like Metroid Dread, like Ori, uh, basically any Metroidvanias that I can get my hands on that appeal. Uh, Blasphemous, uh, it, they very much speak to me. So I'll be waiting for Prince of Persia to probably drop in price a while, a, a little. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, I will most certainly be picking it up and uh, and using it, of course. Although it isn't a uh, direct correlation, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it's not even close. But I suppose it's closer than Britain. Uh, I bet there's some some fertile ground on there to till for games of Aegis. Uh, uh, see, look, I'm tying things to our uh, our role playing games here, Rich. Uh, <laughs> um, because again, game designer brain. Even when I'm playing those 2D side scrollers, I'm I often find myself looking at the scenery, looking at puzzles, mm -hmm. looking at bosses, mm -hmm. monsters. Uh, even the because print. I I imagine you'll have to confirm. Uh, speaking for Hollow Knight, Metroid Dread, and so on, most of the time when it comes to sort of boss fights, they enter rhythm game territory. Yes, yes. Uh, where you end up dying a handful of times before you finally get it, and when you do, it's immensely satisfying because yes. it then feels a bit like a dance. Yes. Uh, and I love porting that over to... TTRPGs. I love that that idea of when you actually come to fight the big boss in in an RPG session, it isn't a case of just hitting it until its hit points go down. It will involve picking up three fragments of the yeah, of the of the missing crown, or you know, it's you remove its armor with this artifact. Mm -hmm. Its weapon weakness is this artifact. You right. can use it with this line of dialogue or whatever. If you can do all of that, it isn't just a straight fight because you'll never win mm. a straight fight. That's right. interesting because uh, I don't think I've ever encountered that at a table. But it's one of my favorite things about the aforementioned Baldur's Gate Three is that yep. like. When I was playing through my second playthrough, we're not gonna talk about how many I've actually played through. Um, but my second playthrough was with my boyfriend, and we got to a boss, and he was like, "Okay, what's what's this boss fight like?" Because I had already beaten it, and I was like, "I don't know. I talked this person into dying because I played a bard on my first playthrough." So yeah. there were a lot of boss fights that I didn't know were boss fights, and the fact that you have all these different options of how to defeat something or have to, you know, as 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 you were saying, use multiple things to defeat them. Mm -hmm. I think is really cool because especially when you have a party that means that everybody has a role to play right like if i've been playing a talky character the whole game and we go into a boss fight then me hitting them might not do the most good but maybe i can be the person who scampers around gathering said crown fragments yeah or i can distract the boss while my friends do stuff you know um because i have found like we've been playing uh exalted essence recently in a home game and that is one thing I've noticed is that it, we've we've tended to have like this scene spotlights this person, this scene spotlights yeah. this person, 
And the other people are just kind of like, no, this is clearly your scene. Like, go ahead. And that is partially, you know, who, whoever's running it, partially how the players are responding. But also it's just a, a fact of how we, we built our characters. Um, mm. And how, like I said, the storyteller happens to be running that specific game is that he has clearly set up encounters like for the two fighty characters or for the infiltration yeah. character. And the rest of us are s- sat around being like, okay, I'm going to go get a coffee, I guess. See, <laughs> well, I, I completely get that. And I think I've definitely ran games like that. But as now, now I'm running games so often, it has given me a certain amount of, I guess, insight into how best to handle that kind of situation because I yeah I have definitely done the thing where I I'll make sure the social characters get catered to okay and now the mentally inclined characters have got a puzzle to solve but you're right it means the especially let's say there's six players at the table two yeah. of them are going to be sat on their hands for quite a long time so ideally yeah you either do the as you mentioned the artifact sort of collection or when you get to the big fight, anything that requires a lot of dice rolling or description instead of dialogue, uh, I think at that point, the story guy, the GM, what have you, needs to provide enough things going on in that scene for every single player. So that it still yeah. feels like the fighter types have impact, but there needs to be, let's say, someone to rescue, or there needs to be a computer that's counting down and the bomb's going off. You know, while James Bond is wrestling with Jaws over there, uh, someone else needs to be deactivating the self-destruct sequence on the other side of the room. That kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and then you can and then you can switch focus while like during the scene. Which, granted, Arthur Teller is good at doing that when there are multiple focuses happening. Mm. Um, and that's that's happened a few times over the course of this game we've been playing for several months now. So, like, it's not like it's it's always the, like, piecemeal stuff, but I, I that's that's a delicate thing to balance as well. And oh, it can be absolutely. difficult to keep it all in your brain or or to be like, okay, this is a good st- st- stopping point. Let me switch focus, yeah. focus. Back, you know? Yeah, yeah it, it's noticeable when it doesn't work, I think, is, uh, is yeah. the problem, because everything can very much House of Cards collapse. Yeah, uh, I th- if you lose control. I think one of the things that that is indicative of is that we forget sometimes that uh, role-playing games are an ensemble game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so scenes should be designed for the ensemble, not just for, the, oh, this is a combat scene. Every scene should be an ensemble scene. Right, and like it, it, it's still cool to let certain characters have big solo moments. Sure, obviously, because if you have like let's let's say if you have a band, right, I like an an actual rock band, like it is cool to have a guitar solo, and it is mm-hmm. cool to have the vocalist get to do a cool thing, and it's cool to have the drummer get to do a bunch of cool fills, right? Like that's all fun. Um, so like it, it is fine to have your your solo big dramatic moments, but there should also be some room for the other players to react to that, right? Yep. Like. Like I had one of my big dramatic moments in our game last night as a time of recording. Uh, it's 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 a thing that I seeded in my character background. It's been building for a while. We finally had a confrontation we've been waiting for. And, you know, the other players had thoughts on it. And that was good. That was interesting because, A, it raised a bunch of questions with them, which was kind of the point because all of us seeded some, like, mysteries into our backgrounds since we were together for the first time, really. Mm. Um, so now they have questions for me. 
but also would answer some questions. And, you know, they were like, oh, that was weird. How do you feel about that? You know, da, 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 da. And so it's it's cool that, you know, me and the storyteller had a, a, like a five to ten minute exchange of, of just the two of us. But then that turned into a big group thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of the, uh, and this, again, it ties in nicely to one of the games I'm running, which is currently Scion Hero. I, I think I mentioned it a week or so ago. Uh, that it has graduated to Hero now. And this is a game set in Hollywood. And what I tend to do with groups of four or more, and this one's, I think, of five players in, uh, is I will tend to alternate. I'll do one session where players have a lot of solo or duo scenes, and then the next session will almost definitely have them in the same location. So, for an example, in this Hollywood game, one of our characters is, as it's Hollywood, very keen for her sort of celebrity star to rise. And the only gig she's been able to book is she has got an appearance on a show called Storage Scavengers, where she and some uh, lovely contestants from Zizic in Nevada or wherever the hell it is, uh, have got to run around a storage unit and, you know, unlock things, value things. And, of course, while she's there, she finds some relic in one of the storage units. So that's her little quest. And then you've got another character who's a tattoo artist and someone comes in having had a vision of a tattoo that they want and it is a religiously significant tattoo design for him. So he's got a puzzle to look at. And then you've got another character who's a surgeon and there's a massive uh, car accident on the freeway, and one of the people that comes in looks like they have suffered some mythologically important, I guess, ailment. Uh, something that, you know, it looks like they've been savaged by a dragon, let's say. Now, what then kicks off by the end of that session is something to tie those plots together so that everyone has to converge upon the hospital where a crisis is ensuing, Everyone can use their respective talents, and it brings the band together to sort of kick off a new campaign, where every now and then they're going to be separating and doing their own things again, of course, their own fields of investigation and such, but then they will have to bring come back together because they'll be crossing over into another world or something like that. And I think, to mention, because I've not really spoken about Baldur's Gate 3, and I'm sure... I don't need to because you two uh, speak about it with... Well, I think it's a great game, but I can tell that the two of you absolutely adore it. Uh, but one thing I really like on that on the subjects we've been discussing, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point to say that Ketherick is one of the bosses. What? I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but... There's a wonderful bit in that combat where you can send some characters off to free someone who's captive. You can have another character who's involved in dealing with sort of summoned minions, and you can have another character that's involved with tackling the big boss. And it's a good example how CRPG sort of emulates TTRPG or vice versa, that you can do it, but yes... It absolutely requires some coordination, maybe a little bit of foreplanning, uh, to to pull it off successfully. And I guess crucially, not have someone very rapidly finish their bit and have to go off and make coffee while everyone else is doing their thing, because now they feel useless. Mm-hmm. It, it can be it can be very tricky to to run games, especially when you've got 
more than three players in a group, I think. Uh, I think that's when it starts becoming a plate-spinning exercise. Yeah, I agree. Which is funny, because I usually think of like the ideal group as like four or five people. Mm. But you're right, the the moment you hit like more than three people, your mm. your attention to each and every individual player, it gets so much tinier, and it's harder to keep everything juggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if you're giving them all solo scenes, which, yep. I, and that is a genuine struggle for me because I, as a player, I love getting solo scenes. And so as a GM, I try and give people solo scenes. But yeah, as soon as you get to four or five players, you know at that point that there's going to be three players who are waiting and one of them is going to be waiting a lot longer than the rest. Right. So yeah, how you balance that is is something of a... I guess, an art. Not everyone gets it, and I know I fail at it plenty of times. Um, but I'll tell you a board game. Here's one yeah. we've not mentioned before that I've been playing that has a bit of that in, and it ties mm. into an RPG we've all worked on to some degree or other. Um, Vampire the Masquerade Chapters. Mm. Uh, I co-wrote Chapters, and so I got a comp copy with all the expansions, which was very nice of uh, Flyos Games to send that to me, because it's a big old game. And over the Christmas period, my friends and I started playing it, and luckily it had been more than enough time between my writing on it and playing it that I had no real idea <laughs> what was going on. But it's kind of it's Gloomhaven-ish, except there's a choose-your-own-adventure element to it. You go to an investigation token, you pick mm -hmm. up a book, you then choose a list of options, what, how you want to interact with it, and there may be a role that's based on your, let's say, uh, social plus persuasion or something like that, okay. you know. And the way you can interact with it, it, it I, I really like chapters, and that isn't just because I, I wrote on it. I think the aesthetic is really cool the plot is really engaging i do sometimes have issues though with that same problem of you, if you have four characters on the board which is the maximum naturally you're, you're going to split them up to all tackle different uh, investigations and actions and and mm. dialogue npcs that are spread out uh, but it does mean that if someone gets embroiled in a lengthy investigation, the other characters are on the other side of the board, you can then either sort of move them up in their actions, which just means they're moving on their turn, nothing else. Or you basically move everyone around as a clump. So whenever someone interacts with something, everyone is there on standby in case that is not the optimal character to be using for that task. So in other words... You, the gangrel goes over to the uh, wooden crate because you think the task is just going to be smash the wooden crate and see what's in it. And then you re open the book and it says this wooden crate has got a uh, padlock on it with a sequence code and you're, you require someone with uh, impressive intellect to work it out quickly. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're calling the Tremere from across the room. It um, sounds a little like... Um... The Mansions of Madness. Yeah, mm -hmm. it has elements of Mansions of Madness. It, I would put it uh, as a cross between Mansions and Gloomhaven because when the combat starts, it gets a lot more Gloomhaven-y. Yeah. Tactical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's it's a really good game, and I do recommend people give it a go. Especially, I think there's a new crowdfunding campaign starting for like the Prestige Edition or something like oh, that okay. coming soon. Uh, but as always, yeah, reading this, I start thinking, oh, what can I use in my tabletop mm -hmm. games? Except now I'm harvesting Masquerade for my Requiem game that I'm running. <laughs> An interesting turn. We own chapters, <laughs> but we have not played it. Mm. Uh, so that is one of the. So I have I've recently in the past uh, few months joined a a local Discord, just a a Discord for the county I live in. Oh, um, excellent! Okay, which is full of people mostly in their thirties mm. who like to get together, and I'm like, I would like more friends because I've got friends. They live all over the country because a lot of my friends are from the industry or other things, and also I've moved a bunch. It's the American um, problem, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone is so damn spread out, especially yeah. after COVID. Yeah, like, I would love to see Danielle, but that's a, you know, multi-hour flight or multi-day drive. <laughs> so I tend to see a lot of my friends just at conventions. And of my local friends in the D.C. area, uh, almost all of them are role-playing game industry people. <laughs> like, it's like, I live near Megan Fitzgerald, I live near Rose Bailey, which means that when we get together, a lot of times the conversation devolves into work, which I don't mm. like. Yeah. I don't talk about work all the time. I have to constant whenever I hang out with uh also uh Claire Weaver, who's in our Discord and one mm -hmm. of our freelancers, um, and my boyfriend, and like we all hang out, and sometimes it just ends up being me and Claire's wife just like talking about other stuff in the corner, <laughs> being like, let's talk about politics, let's talk about yeah. stuff, like whatever, because it 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 turns into game talk. Um so I was like, this is a great way to meet people and do things outside of, like, talking about Onyx Path game design, specifically. Uh, but one of the things that they do is every Friday night, there's a board game night. And I have not gone yet, but I definitely am like, okay, this is where I can start bringing my games and finding people to play play them with. Because Yeah, I, yeah, this is where you find yeah. your people. Yeah, we have yeah. so many board games that we've never played because they're for more than two people. Mm -hmm. And we are only mm -hmm. two people. I also did, uh, this is... This is a an example story about how extroverted I am. That's just a total aside story. I accosted a man in our parking lot of our of our building. <laughs> Full um, stop. That's where the story yeah. ends. Oh, well, uh, basically, <laughs> no. Uh, I was walking outside uh, of of my building and I saw a man, and that man looked like my people. And so I stopped and I said, "Hey, sorry to bother you, but are you uh are you by chance a gamer?" And he was like, "Yes, yes, I am." And I was like, cool, do you have a Discord handle? And he gave me his Discord handle, which I'm not going to say on here, obviously, because people would know it, but the the Discord handle itself uh, held enough information that I was like, oh, you are my people, uh, based on what his Discord handle was. And now we're friends. And he That's likes cool. gaming, too. So I'm like, this is, this, is, this is what it's like to be friends with Dixie. I collect introverts. Like... Many of my friends, like my my friend Laura, like like Rose, have said like I would never have met many of my friends if you hadn't just been dragging me around at a convention, going, "Hi, I'm Dixie. This is Laura. Hello." Mm. You know, uh, but it does mean that now we have three people in my building who might be able to game, and I can start orchestrating board game nights where no one has to leave their apartment building, and that's fun. Oh, that that's yeah, that is very smart. That's uh, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have collected enough people that we can have occasional board game nights. We had been doing a Friday night board game night pretty religiously for the past like year. And then it slowly started to fall apart. Like we would invite people over and nobody would respond or only like one person would show up and we would play a game together. But 
we were, you know, inviting like eight different people with the knowledge that not everybody could make it. And if we could get, you know, a good two or three people to show up, we could either play, a, you know, up to a six person game or, you know, if even more people showed up, we could split off and play, you know, two separate games or whatever. And yeah. uh, it, it started being like one, maybe two people would show up, maybe, or nobody would show up. And we found out that there had been some kind of friend group schism where some people didn't like each other anymore. And people were like, oh, well, that person's invited and I don't know if they're going to show up, so I'm not going to show up. And then both sides would do that. And so nobody was showing up to our board game nights. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I hate when that happens and I don't know about it. So I guess we're going to just stop trying to host this, you know, every Friday board game night and start doing a more select like, hey, we would like to play board games with these two other people. Would y'all like to come over mm -hmm. and play these board games with us? Um, yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, out for the slow death of the gaming group. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. Tragic. Right. It is. I have also only recently learned that my area uh, is host to a pretty well-known board gaming group as far as like people who have published games oh, like cool. there is a board game breaking group that meets and anybody can show up and help people work on their board games mm -hmm. or you know play test them but the one of the games that came from that is uh wingspan oh nice oh, okay yeah. so i like that game same. I live fairly near the designer of Wingspan, and I did not know that until pretty recently. Uh, so I'm hoping to at some point go to some of these board game breaker things because I I like board games, and it's a very different kind of game industry or game design theory than tabletop role playing really games. Is. And I'm I am interested in learning more. Whether or not yeah. I'm like ever going to design my own board game or get into that is a totally different matter. But I'm interested in learning what you think about when you're designing one. You know. Yeah, I very much enjoy Wingspan on uh, Board Game Arena, which is a website Danielle actually you and oh, yes. introduced us to, uh, because it has a lovely user interface. I've mm -hmm. played it with uh, several people on my Patreon Discord now. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you know, sometimes we have a break from RPGs, we play board games instead. Um, because I've got a an account on Board Game Arena, it means no one else has to, and the. Well, no one has to have a paid one uh, other than me. And the yeah, Wingspan. I've I've tried playing it with the physical version of the game, and again, it looks beautiful, but I find it a little too cumbersome for my tastes. Uh, but again, board just game arena chapters. <laughs> Kind of yeah, like but well, uh, so well, I've unfortunately uh, so chapters. Thankfully, is not only a beautiful game in the way it's packed and arranged in the box it's also unlike gloomhaven a single tile per scenario yeah, okay. uh, and uh, <laughs> and that the, the uh, experience of playing chapters has made me very much prefer the digital version of gloomhaven um which you know i played the digital and the physical version and although i love the physical version uh, i'm finding the digital version a lot uh, it's more accessible. Uh, preferable uh, now, I guess, based on time. And but I, I, I said I wanted to mention Pendragon and why it was relevant, and I need to do it before I forget. Okay, do it. 
And it's because... So I've started running two Pendragon games uh, for two of my Patreon groups. And I'm running the Great Pendragon campaign, which I think a lot of people will be aware of as, I guess, one of the classic RPG campaigns. And one of the greatest resources I've had for it, because the Great Pendragon campaign, although it spans something like 50 years of gameplay and two or three generations of knights you play through it, is pretty bare bones in terms of the detail of what you do from year to year to year. It gives you the highlights. And the place I have gone to, although I have plenty of Pendragon books, is Once and Future for Scion. Because uh, it's obviously one of our more recent releases. I've had the access to it for quite a while now. And I've always wanted to make my Arthurian games more mythical, more fantastical, uh, in the way that we do with Scion. And use more of the magical side of things, the Merlin side of things, than purely um, Crusader Kings, you know, knights, mm -hmm. fiefdoms, uh, fealty, and such like. And Once in Future, uh, I didn't, I guess, initially count it as a possibility for something that would inspire a 5th century period game. Because, of course, most of our Scion books are nominally placed in the 21st century. Uh, but not only does it contain a wealth of historic information, things like just the lists of relics, all the different swords you can pick up in Once and Future, uh, the, the the fact that the uh, the Welsh pantheon of gods is in there as well, uh, the beasts that are introduced, the various antagonists that are in Once and Future, and this isn't simply a sales pitch for Once and Future, um, but I know I often go into sales pitches, but my point of explaining it is I absolutely love it when I have got books for different game lines, uh, completely different game companies, and that I can make such an easy inspiration connection from one to the other, that I can look at a book for Scion and it can directly influence what I will be doing in Pendragon. It's, mm -hmm. for me, part of what enjoying reading RPGs is all about, uh, because, again, just constantly taking inspiration from these things for, for the stories I'm telling. So to the team on Once and Future, thank you very much if any of you listen to this, because uh, I have found that book such an inspiration. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's super awesome. I like it when you can take inspiration from some role-playing games to take into others or take inspiration from a video game to bring into a role-playing game. Like, I am constantly playing games when I'm actually running something and being like, I'm stealing that, stealing that from my game. <laughs> um, yeah, so board games that I am playing. Oh, well, speaking of Gloomhaven, uh, <laughs> I just got a copy of Buttons and Bugs which I have because I am now working for Cephalofair and can get these things before they go on sale. Oh, yeah. Lucky, <laughs> lucky bloody you. But <laughs> if you haven't seen what Buttons and Bugs looks like, it is this extremely tiny, and when I say tiny, I mean the box is probably, like dimensions-wise, it's it's taller than but dimensions wise smaller footprint than my phone mm. okay it is a tiny little box and it is a single player game of gloomhaven 
you control all of the characters and do the the things and you do little scenarios, but you have literally been miniaturized and you're fighting against like little bugs and, or, you know, rodents or things like yeah. that. Um, and it's all takes place in like a single floor of a shop where you've like gone to, to try to talk to a witch. And she like, was like, I'm fucking tired of all these ad adventurers coming to my door. So I'm just going to miniaturize <laughs> anybody who shows up with a miniaturization ray. Uh, and now you've got to try to figure out how to escape and stop being so tiny. Yeah. Um, it, it's it. Yeah. It's super fun. I'm really looking forward to playing it. It's single player. So I can do it on my own time, which is great. The other, so we got two new board games for Christmas and one of them is the lost temple of Arnak. I think Lost Ruins of Arnak. That game is kind of a worker placement card, uh, deck builder game mashed into one. It is, it's really hard for me to describe without explaining all of the mechanics and rules. So I'll just say that like, you've got some people who are your workers that go out to different camps to collect resources, you use those resources to do research. Mm-hmm you get victory points based on your research track, how many of these like places you've discovered and also some other like buying cards, picking up items, things like that into your deck. It's played over six rounds, but each round you're taking multiple actions. So it, it playtime is usually like one to two hours, but it is probably one of the most fun games I've ever played, which is I have played a lot of board games. It is a spectacular game. The other Ooh. game that we picked up is the new Scythe game. It is a, it is also like weirdly a worker placement style game that is kind of a deck builder. You're not actually building a deck. You're just pulling cards. You have a hand of uh, you're, you have a cards that are in hand and cards that are in play, but you don't, uh, they're, they're not secret and they're not like you drawing cards every round. They're literally just either in play or in your hand uh, yeah. on either side of the board. And it's got a really interesting card mechanic where you are taking actions by playing cards. And then when you run out of cards, you kind of have to rest and reset your hand but you like move across the board, gather resources, play cards, and you're trying to get victory points. In like in Scythe, if you've ever played that, there's all these different uh, victory goals that you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. and there's like seven or eight different things you could focus on, but you need to accomplish four of them to, okay. Okay. to finish out cool. uh, your round. And whoever gets their fourth, like what is called boast, done. That ends the game. And so even if other people haven't gotten their four done yet, like the game is ending, everybody gets one more round. So yeah. at that point, you're just trying to get as many victory points as you can. Um, hopefully, if the game is, you know, and generally it's been, the pacing is done well enough to where like everybody is placing their fourth boast at the same time on that last round. Or if somebody is not placing their fourth boast, they're still... Uh, they've been focusing on other things where they have a lot of victory points. So we played a game just the other day where a friend of ours was, it was his first time playing and he actually won 
and he had not gotten his fourth boast. Um, but he was so focused on like item cards that he had so many victory points from the item cards that he was able to win. Um, so it was, you know, there's multiple ways to win the game. I have yet to win it, but I really enjoy it. And then the other game that we have been playing a lot of that I really love right now is Dune Imperium. So I've heard that's really good. I've not actually played it yet, but I have heard it's an excellent game. It's one of the strategy games that I really enjoy, and I'm not really a big competitive person, uh, but it is, it's a deck builder. So you're, you know, again, you're, you're buying cards to put in your deck, but you don't want to buy too many because there's not a ton of cards that let you get cards out of your deck. And so you kind of have to balance that. But then there's also worker placement involvement and then there's combat. But the combat is all very much like you're committing troops to the combat and you're committing resources to the combat. Mm hmm. And everybody can do that. And then everybody's troops go away at the end. So I think the for some reason, the the stakes there feel really even. So it's not mm -hmm. like somebody is overwhelmingly doing combat well because they just have so many more troops than everybody else and nobody can catch up to them. Because if I commit eight troops to the combat, they're all going to go away. And then I will be re I will run out of troops and have to rebuild my forces every round, and so it feels a lot more even and less one sided. There are ways to stack, but everybody has those same options, and you don't have to focus on combat to win. Although everybody should really be trying to kind of win the combat, and they just released it a second version of the game. It is compatible with the original ga game, but it's almost a little like a second edition. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Uh, and I recommend picking that up because it changes out how the combat section works, where it used to be that the combat section gave you straight up victory points on the card, almost every combat. Mm -hmm. And now you have to win multiple combats of certain types. Like they have three different types of of like card types and if you get three of that card or two of that card type you can turn it over for a victory point but you have mm -hmm. to win two of that card type in a row and there's three different types it's not in a row but you've got to have two of them so if you it, it's not easy necessarily to always oh i won and i got a victory point and then i won again and i got another victory point and then I won again and I got another victory point. Instead, it's like, oh, I won. Oh, and then that person won the next one I needed. So now I have to win another one that's like this one mm. to get that victory point. So it it and it does ramp up once you get into stage three, but it is it is an interesting thing. It also adds sandworms and who doesn't love sandworms? Actually, that was that's 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 a question that I had. Is that so I I have a few board games that are based on, you know various ips right like mm -hmm. I've, I've got a buffy the vampire slayer board game that once again i've mm. never gotten to play because of reasons but um i always wonder about those games and how people who aren't fans of the franchise would feel like do you think that would be a satisfying game if you don't give a shit about dune yes okay <laughs> i honestly don't give a shit about dune okay cool and i love this game because that's that that's where I, I always fall down on them. Is that like some sometimes the gameplay is really good, so it doesn't matter if you're a fan of the thing or not. Yeah. But then sometimes I'm like, is this only going to appeal to like 
I don't bring the Buffy game around a lot because I haven't gotten to play it, so I don't know how fun it is. And I'm yeah. kind of well, is this going, like this will probably appeal to me because I'll at least be like, ah, oh, I get that reference, or oh, mm-hmm. I, I like that character, or oh, I remember that 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 villain or whatever. But if the game kind of sucks, which I don't know if it does or not, so no no opinions here. But like that, I I'll feel guilty bringing it to other people just because I enjoy the game. Um, now yeah. our our favorite license game in this house is probably Chrono Trek, which is Chrononauts with Star Trek, because oh. we also love Chrononauts. Um, mm. You have seen us playing it a million times at 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 the get together that we used to do. D. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is a game. Either version of the game essentially is that you, you have a timeline, and this is actually very cool inspiration for any kind of time travel RPG. I, I very much like this. You have a timeline. It is technically competitive in that in that every character has different goals they're trying to do. So you are yeah. not trying to correct the timeline to what it is. You're trying to correct the timeline to what your specific timeline is, so that you can go home. Um, and so in the Star Trek version, uh, like it's like all the canon events of Star Trek from TOS through, I, I think the end of next gen. And so you're like trying to move things around. It is hard to describe, but it's very, very fun to play. And if anybody likes Star Trek, I recommend they get the Trek version. And if you just think that historical time travel is cool, then the original Chrononauts is very, very cool. And it's, it's, it's just cards. So it's very easy to set up pretty much anywhere. As long as you've got some table space. I think in terms of, uh, and I appreciate we're getting close to the end, but um, on the subject of, I guess, licensed games, uh, board mm-hmm. games, I know it's out of print now, so it's not much of a recommendation, but I was such a fan of the Battlestar Galactica board game and uh... its relative, uh, and its related expansions when it came out. It was, it's, it was a novel concept. Uh, the idea of there being traitors in your midst and uh, having to either help or sabotage tasks. You know, it was the Resistance or mm-hmm. Avalon writ mm. large. Yep. Um, but it was a nicely designed fantasy flight board game uh, with a typical fantasy flight poorly laid out rules manual <laughs> with no index. <laughs> uh, which everyone came to loathe uh, and I think started the saying of, well, we'll learn it as we play. Or oh, it seemed difficult the first time you play, but after you get through one round of it, you'll you'll get it. Yeah. But it was one of those games where you really didn't have to be a fan of the show, even though right. I was I was certainly a fan of about three seasons of it. Mm. Um in order to get the the premise and start enjoying it because of the table talk because it's right. a good game for uh encouraging socialization across the uh, across the table mm, i think those yeah. those are the the opposite of the games i struggle with most where everyone has their own deck to build mm-hmm. and the fact that there are other players around is largely incidental to your playing the game to go back to wingspan I think that is one of my main issues with it as a physical game, that the only real sabotage you can play on other players, if you do want to sabotage, is you take a piece of food that they want out of the feeder, uh, right. which you could just re-roll, or you choose a bird that they might like the look of. Right. Uh, but there's so many in the deck, uh, and and it's pretty easy to yeah re-roll the food in the feeder. You're you're playing your own game, and you just happen to have other players with you. This is why um, I love that game. When it comes to Wingspan, <laughs> I cannot recommend enough the computer version of it 
Like the like I got the PC version as part of a humble bundle of like a bunch of board game video games, right? Mm-hmm. So I I have like the Game of Thrones board game that I haven't played. I've got the Gloomhaven one, which I tried to play, but it's very hard to figure out on the PC. Uh, oh, they don't okay. give you enough tutorial <laughs> to start it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did also get Wingspan, and I love playing it on PC more than anything else because when you click on the cards, you get to hear the little bird songs. Oh, oh man! Well, I, I wonder if the board game arena version is identical or a slimmed down version of that. Do you, do you get know. to hear little bird songs? I think I have the volume automatically set to zero <laughs> so that I can just hear the other players. But now I will be interested to find out. Also, as somebody who enjoys board games, but often as I have people to play it with, if I can find an, an online an online version that has a good AI, then I can just play that. Yeah. Like, I've played Ticket to Ride a bunch, both with my boyfriend and with, like, AI stuff. I've played Wingspan by myself a whole bunch because the AI is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can change the difficulty on it, obviously. So if I'm like, well, I want one player who's going to really challenge me and the other players who are, like, average, you know? So, yeah. But when you click when you click on them, you get to hear the little bird song. And that's clearly the most important thing. So I've got a question for you uh, as we're wrapping up now. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of our RPGs, Onyx Path, uh, in which of our RPGs that we have either released or we are soon to release, maybe, are you most keen right now to run or play in? Whether it's as a what single session or you know full length campaign, you you both know what we've got coming up mm-hmm. and what we've released. Is there any game on your mind that you'd like to have a stab at? I mean. I I obviously want to play at the gates at some point because I keep hearing about what is going on with it and I'm in the Discord for it and I just want to actually <laughs> see it in action. Uh, but for, as far as games that are playable currently on any level, uh, World Below, I am super into running a thing about. Like I've always liked weird underground areas in video games. Did I swear our other conversation? But well, boy, um, is this the TTRPG for well, you, Dick? Well, yeah, right? like, like <laughs> honestly, so when I when I was working on the supplement for Cavaliers of Mars that Sephi Devon and I did, um, I I took a lot of inspiration from the Black Reach and Skyrim, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite zones in, a, in like a single player video game. And then of course we got the Underdark and Baldur's Gate three, and I just love the kind of like underground with the glowing plants all the different colors and like weird mushroom people all the kind of stuff that you can find down there you know and i have i've I've always thought that was a cool setting like to, to the point where i i wrote a setting kind of like that and am still annoyed that you didn't ask me to write on world below um <laughs> uh, the, you, let, let that annoyance let, let, let's that annoyance fuel you but yeah no i um i i definitely would like to play it uh in a longer campaign than the one that we did on here like i would like to either run it or play in like a a, a personal home game where it can go a little bit longer and get a little bit more in-depth in the setting oh japery and you danielle so uh, I really want to run at the gates for somebody, so I don't I... Know, maybe Dixie, we can get a game going. Um, also, my husband Weston has been reading through the adventure book and is been really keen on running a game of adventure, and I am so hyped to play adventure. I like everything about that book. Like, of course, I when I developed it. I was so excited to develop it because it was oh pulp type fiction adventure fiction like i i love this style of 
game. And now that it's out, I'm just like, please, somebody run this for me. And so uh, <laughs> I've I've ordered a uh, a hard copy because he was like, ah, oh, you know, I want to run it, but all I have right now is the PDF. And yes, other people can pick up the PDF, but when we sit down to to make a game, I I like to have a physical copy that people can pass around and look at and things like me that. Me too. And uh, so yeah, I've I've got a physical copy coming to me so that I can uh, I can get this game moving because I'm I'm really like looking forward <laughs> to it. I also want to shout out the about to be released Cyclopses game because oh, yeah. I know that whenever we've talked about the game from, I keep getting very excited about that one. Um, and I specifically want to, want to play a puppet uh, because that's fun. And I I think about it a lot. I even had a conversation with the uh, the indexer on that. Like she, she and I are are connected on on Facebook, and she always reaches out to me and is like, "That was really fun when she really likes a book, and she really liked that one." So congrats to the whole team. One thing uh, I would like to say about Cyclops' Cave, and I don't think we never really talk about our published adventures enough. And maybe that's the maybe that's something we can talk mm. about in a in a different episode in depth. Mm -hmm. But sure, uh, Cyclops' Cave contains two uh, pre-written adventures for you to get involved in. One's a very sword and sorcery feeling one, so Conan style. Uh, the other, and one shouldn't have preferences on a book one co-develops. But this one is so Hercules and Xena. You've got two lovers who the gods have essentially intervened in their pettiness to ensure they can never be together unless certain trials and gauntlets sort of are fulfilled. And your characters, just being damn heroic, peace-loving types, find this weeping young man who can't be with the uh, with the woman he loves and you have to pass the trial of Apollo, and you have to pass the trial of Aphrodite, and find out why they, how they piss these gods off, and how to make amends with them. And it's such a, a melodramatic, but suitably, I guess, ancient Greek uh, story that it it sort of it sings to me in a way. It's uh, it's a simpler form of role playing in a fashion, uh, except it isn't because there's so few RPGs that actually tell tales like that. I mean, we've got Blue Rose, of course, by Green Ronin, which is very well regarded. Uh, but that idea of delving into uh, romances in crisis is something we don't do enough of. Uh, and I love that we were able to do it with Cyclops' Cave. So I hope people get uh, get a kick out of that when they when they have a chance to play it and run it. Uh, it sounds I know super fun. We loved, uh, Michele and I loved developing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, yeah. As we're wrapping this up, do you have any other ones that you're interested in running recently? Oh, uh, yeah, good point. I, I, I need to sort of temper myself, but I am very much looking forward to bringing my hero game to Demigod. Because, although, uh, you know, we released Demigod a while back now, but... I, for my tastes, Demigod is the optimum tier of Scion, uh, in that it gives you powers that make you feel powerful. Uh, it allows you to essentially become super heroic, and it also gives you a slight possibility, if you work well together, and going back to that almost original topic of if you pick up the right fragments, you mm -hmm. may just be able to bloody the nose of the god who sired you. 
Uh, I mean, it's it will be a close thing because gods are more powerful than you, but there are there's a band of you. There's probably one god you're looking to cross the paths of, and a band of demigods could do it if they just sort of put the puzzle pieces in in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. So, I I really love that, and I think our version of Silent Demigod sort of fulfills that mandate very elegantly. It's so difficult to write a high-power game uh, and it not become completely unwieldy. And Demigod just achieves it at a balance level that I really enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't wait for, our, for my hero campaign, uh, Chronicle, I should say, to get to demigod tier but i will wait because there's lots of things they need to do as heroes first <laughs> when you hit demigod tier tell me uh which which underworlds they're visiting and why they're all the ones i wrote oh i'm <laughs> gonna be throwing i'm throwing them into an underworld as heroes uh so nice. i'll be oh, nice. don't worry i'll be using your underworld material uh far earlier while, while yes. it is quite horrific for them <laughs> very good Love it's that. so much fun writing those especially the one where i'm, I'm, I'm like you just don't want to go here I just didn't give you any information on it because it's bad. <laughs> like you're not gonna survive if you go to that one. Don't don't go there, buddies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay, awesome. Well, if people want to uh, talk to you about your Scion game, Matthew, where can they do so? Oh, well, the Onyx Path Discord is always the best place to find me these days, so that is where I will tell you to go. And Danielle, people want to get more board game recommendations from you, who clearly has a bunch of them that you're just willing, like waiting to throw at people. Hi. <laughs> I am. I, I will take pictures of my board game shelves because I am a hoarder of board games. It's ridiculous. Anyway, yes, if you want to talk to me, uh, I, of course, also in the Onyx Path Discord, I like to haunt that place and not talk a whole lot. But if you, if you start talking in the Pathcast channel, I will probably see it. And then also you can find me at daniellelozon.com and most places on the internet at Impernius. Nice. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Dixie Cyanide, but also to talk about any of this stuff, the Pathcast channel is always the best place to be, especially right after an episode drop. Uh, you can find us everywhere at the Onyx Path, theonyxpath.com. Thank you for listening, and as always, many worlds. Bye.